Okay, three, two, one. Oh my goodness. Good morning, good afternoon. Whatever it is for you, I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports, episode 332. And I got the music going. I'm so excited. Welcome in. Uh, Really good show today. We're going to talk about Matthew Stafford. Uh, the trade, he went to the Rams. We'll talk about Jared Goff. We're going to talk about Sean McVay. We're going to talk about Deshaun Watson. Uh, will he be traded? What kind of struggles could happen with the trade? Uh, we're going to talk about the Philadelphia Eagles, their new head coach, Nick Sirianni. My goodness. Did anybody see the Nick Sirianni interview? Oh, man. Uh, we won't tear him apart completely. I kind of just feel bad for him. We'll get there in a moment. I want to start with some TMI. Uh, first, let me say, I, I'm very excited. I got a Hank Aaron topic I've been working on. Uh, I moved it to the next episode. It's not done. Now, I might write it, and it's two minutes, so I don't want to oversell it. But I will say, researching Hank Aaron and working on a Hank Aaron topic, it's kind of hard. You know, he he died. And it's sad. I'm getting to know this amazing, incredible, kind of American hero who's gone. And I, I'm watching interviews of the guy, and he's, he's dead. And it's 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 hard. It's it's sad. And it's um, I got a lot of I want to celebrate Hank in the next episode. Um, but I, I part of why I moved it is because I've, I've been really having a hard time off, you know, off outside of the show. Uh, and part of it's because it's been a hard topic to work on emotionally for me now off the show. So I've talked before about how I can't smell anything. Like I, I can almost, I, I have very, a very weak sense of smell. I really can barely breathe out my nose. It's very frustrating. It's been ongoing for three years. Um, it kind of, I, I have to. It's, it's really frustrating. I can barely breathe out my nose. Like airflow, it's awful. If I lay on my side, it plugs up completely. Uh, I've gone to, um, in the last two years, I've gone to two special, two, two specialists, and. Um, They've said nothing's wrong with me, <laughs> and I don't believe them. It's really frustrating. I think at some point I got to go to another specialist. I'm kind of discouraged. It's awful. Uh, I've been having severe migraines, and there, if you've ever had a migraine, it's debilitating. You you can't do anything. I, I I've been like, it's your head is throbbing and pounding. And there's nothing you can do. It's really frustrating. I've been having frequent nosebleeds. I don't know why. Maybe I have brain cancer, put me out of my misery. I have no idea. I can't afford to have brain cancer. That sounds awful and expensive. So, um, and I, I, I really hate our the American healthcare system. It's it's frustrating. So, I just want to tell you guys. I, I, I really wanted to put this episode out on Monday. I, I could, I, I couldn't think. I, my head was pulsing and struggling. And so here we are. It's Tuesday. I'm very excited. I love you very much. I want to dive in. And again, I, I really, I'm excited for Hank Aaron. Because I, I, I've been getting to know Hank Aaron, who he was, his story. I want to share that with the world. And I want to do it right. And I'm, I'm really – I think it's better off to – I think at first better for the show, too, to spread out the content. Uh, but I, I also – I want to make that a good topic. And I feel a lot of pressure to get that topic right. So um, we'll do that in the next episode. I want to now shift gears to Houston. Um, I believe that the past year – was very eye-opening for quarterback Deshaun Watson. The dude had an incredible year last year in Houston. I mean, yeah, some of the best stats in the NFL at all. I mean, he had MVP-level numbers, sure. But he also made great decisions. And it's really hard when your team around you is awful, your defense is bad, your receivers aren't showing up, your offensive line is terrible, your defense, everything around you, your head coach got fired. When your organization around you is a mess, it's really easy to start making bad decisions. We saw Carson Wentz in Philadelphia 
devolve as a quarterback, when people around him got hurt and he didn't trust what was going on around him, his decision-making got worse and worse and worse. He was forcing throws into coverage, holding onto the ball too long. We saw none of that from Deshaun Watson. He didn't force throws. He didn't make bad decisions. He didn't allow the mess around him to drag him down. I was very, very impressed with the way Deshaun Watson played. Not just the results and the numbers, but also the decisions he made and the throws you didn't see him make, which were you didn't see very many bad throws from the guy at all. And so Deshaun had an amazing year. He did everything he possibly could. If his team had a winning record, Deshaun Watson would have been the NFL MVP this year. However, his team was awful. They went 4-12. and 12. And I'm pretty sure Deshaun Watson learned a lesson where he realized, man, no matter what I do in Houston, I'm not going to win. I, I can't win a Super Bowl here in Houston. I, my belief is that's what Deshaun Watson, the conclusion he came to after this year. My organization is so bad that it will always be too big of an obstacle to overcome. So Cal McNair and Jack Easterby, they run the team. One is the owner's son. The other guy's this friend kind of guy who used to be a chaplain who worked his way up into the somehow the decision maker in the front office for Houston. It makes no sense to me. Jack Easterby is endlessly confusing. And you can look up Jack Easterby. He looks like he's all kinds of manipulative and all kinds of awful. Uh, as long as he's he and Cal McNair are running the team, and even if one of them leaves, if Jack Easterby gets fired and Cal McNair is still there, you still have a problem. I think really Jack Easterby is a symptom of Cal McNair. As long as those two guys, if those two names are mentioned as part of the Houston Texans, they're not going to win. They have no chance. It's not going to work. And I have heard people call Deshaun Watson a quitter for wanting to leave Houston. And I must believe that maybe people who say that don't understand the level of incompetence Houston has. Like maybe they just don't understand how bad it actually is in Houston. But I want to tell you this. If you think Deshaun Watson is a quitter for wanting out of Houston, I would tell you that actually exactly the opposite is true. Deshaun Watson is the exact opposite of what you think. Deshaun Watson has dreams and goals, and he wants to win. I, I, I would imagine Deshaun Watson sits at home and goes, I want to win a Super Bowl. I want to win playoff games. I want to have a successful NFL career. That's his dream, and he's fighting for his dream. And if Deshaun Watson wants to win, then step one has to be get out of Houston. It's not going to work as long as you're wearing those colors playing in Houston. And I want to refer to Matthew Stafford. Matthew Stafford spent 12 years in Detroit with the Lions. He was a part of a horrible organization, and in 12 years in Detroit, he had four winning seasons. It was so bad. People actually think that Matthew Stafford is a bad quarterback. People like my dad, who I love my dad, doesn't know a lot about film. He probably thinks Matthew Stafford is terrible. He's like, well, he couldn't win. He couldn't make it happen. <laughs> you don't understand the level of incompetence around Matthew Stafford for years in Detroit. And so if you recognize how badly run Houston is, then you would also understand that the only way for Deshaun Watson to fight for his dream of winning means he has to get out of Houston. It's so bad, he can't achieve his dreams and goals there. And I, I really believe that staying in Houston to be a weird, sad, loserish thing to do. 
I mean, if Deshaun Watson put his tail between his legs and bent the knee, I would lose respect for him. If he went back to Houston and said, they're such a, like, just lied and said, they're such a great organization. I love being here. I'm so lucky to be here. I've seen people do that. And it's like, you're full of it. Nonsense. I, I call BS. That's not true. But fighting for your dream is compelling. That is what Deshaun Watson is doing. The first step of fighting for his dream of winning is leaving Houston. You should not be loyal to dysfunction. I don't understand why there's this pushback against Deshaun. If you leave a bad situation, you're a a bad leader, a quitter, you're bad. No, no, no. That's how you end up in a marriage with someone you hate for 20 years. You don't want that. Do not be loyal to dysfunction. It doesn't make any sense to me. And it's okay to want a better life. I I had a dream. I wanted to be a talk show host on YouTube. Hey, I did it. I I still got more dreams. I'm fighting for more stuff. But man, like, if you don't dream and don't fight for your dreams, your life is really unfulfilling. So here's what Deshaun Watson should do next. Here is his next step. He needs to not ever talk to anybody in Houston ever again. Go silent. He's only going to talk to Houston if it's to approve a trade. They're like, hey, you want to go to Miami? He's like, yeah, I'll go to Miami. Otherwise, don't answer the phone. Don't talk to them. Say, hey, is your conversation about a trade? Otherwise, I don't, I don't work for you. you know, I saw Deshaun Watson removed the Houston Texans from his Twitter bio. And as far as Deshaun is concerned, he's no longer a part of the Houston Texans anymore. And so I'd ask you, does Tom Brady ever talk to the Detroit Lions? No. Does Patrick Mahomes ever talk to the Dallas Cowboys? No, he does not. Why do they not talk to those teams? Because they don't play for those teams. Oh, yeah, you don't, you don't talk to other teams that you don't play for. Deshaun Watson doesn't play for the Houston Texans anymore. So if you want to have that, don't talk. to You're, you're not going to – zero contact. Our only reason to talk to each other is if you have a trade proposal for me to approve. That's it. Why would Deshaun Watson talk to a team he doesn't play for anymore? That's my, my whole question. That's what he needs to do next. And if he goes silent for long enough, then maybe eventually – Houston might realize, oh, this guy's actually serious. He really wants out. He's really not coming back. We have to trade him. So Deshaun Watson is doing absolutely the right thing by trying to get out of Houston. I want to add one more thing. There are people that will say, and just to you, I'll say to you, I say it in life, people will always comment on a situation they're not a part of. Uh, my, I'm even doing it right now. It's my job, but it's true. And everyone will say, well, come on, it's good enough. It's good. And no matter, people always say, like, oh, it's good enough. If anyone ever tells you it's good enough, tell them, hey, you don't have to live my life. You might think my job's good enough. Like, I, my, I'm a bad example. But imagine you're a, a person who is unsatisfied with your job and you want a better job. And people around you are like, well, it's good enough. You make blah, blah, blah. It's like, yeah, but it's not fulfilling. It's not what I want. They don't need to go to your crappy job every day. You do. It's okay to want a better life. I truly believe Deshaun Watson wants a better life. He just, he woke up one day and went, huh, I, I deserve better. I deserve better than Houston. I'm, I've got no help. I've got no cap room. I've got incompetent idiots running my franchise. I, I don't want to, I, I can't achieve any of my goals here. It makes no sense to stay. Again, you can read about the creepy manipulation of Jack Easterby. I would not want to work for the Houston Texans at all in a heartbeat ever. Stay far away as far as I'm concerned. But I, nobody deserves to have just good. Even if it was just good enough, 
I don't think that's nobody wants good enough. You want great fulfillment. And Deshaun Watson is not even getting good. He's getting awful. And so I again I one thousand percent support Deshaun Watson in his pursuit of getting out of Houston. And the thing he's got to do, just ignore them. I, I'm not a part of your football team. I only talk to you if it's about a trade. Otherwise, leave me alone. And I, I encourage you, go read some stuff about Jack Easterby. The the things I've heard uh, from, it's really, really bad. And Deshaun Watson should do everything he possibly can to get out of there. He's not going to win unless he leaves. Uh, let me drink some water real quick, and then we'll talk about the Detroit Lions. We'll talk about the Rams. We'll talk about the Matthew Stafford trade. Oh my goodness. I loved it. It was so much fun. Hi everyone. I just put a cut in. Um, I don't know. I was partway through the Matthew Stafford topic when a drama unfolded that I don't even know how to properly describe. Our cats were running full speed. They knocked over our giant TV downstairs. I thought someone drove through our wall actually. Um, I, my girlfriend freaked out, screamed downstairs. I don't know what's on video and what's not. I don't know what can be heard. It's in another room. I, if, if I can play it all, if you can hear it, I'll play it, but I don't know. I don't know what to make of it. I just know that the topic got like totally thrown off. So I'm going to restart the Matthew Stafford topic. I love you guys. I appreciate you guys. Um, and I, I'm a little shook. I, I, stupid cats. I don't even know how that's possible, but they, TV weighs like twice they do. I, I have no idea how that happened, but I'm going to play a recording of what happened. Take a listen. I hope I'm wrong. I, I'm making that prediction, but I hope that Jared Goff is fantastic. I heard a loud sound. That, that sounded terrible. So that happened. Ah, alas, whatever. Again, I, I really thought someone drove through our the wall of our house. I was like, I... It was the loudest bang sound. I, I, I hope it got picked up on the mic. I have no idea if it did. I'm shook. Let's reset. I want to talk about the Matthew Stafford trade. Quarterback Matthew Stafford has been traded to the Los Angeles Rams. And uh, it was a big surprise. I did not see this coming. I The Rams were not one of the teams mentioned. And no one talked about, hey, maybe the Rams is where he's going to go. <laughs> I would have never predicted that. That's why I love football. That's why I love storylines. That's why I love my job. Crazy, unexpected things happen like this all the time. It's so much fun. It's so cool. And so the Rams got Matthew Stafford. Love it. Big surprise. Fun. In return, the Detroit Lions got two first-round picks in 2022 and 2023. Notice it's 2021. So next year, they'll have a first-round pick. And two years from now, the Lions are going to get a first-round pick from L.A. They also got a third-round 2021 pick. And quarterback Jared Goff. Uh, there's a lot to break down here. Number one, I'm very, very happy for Matthew Stafford. Oh, my goodness. Uh, I believe people are finally going to kind of realize and understand, oh, this guy's really good. I th- people, I think, actually believe that M- Matthew Stafford's a bad quarterback. I think they don't understand. No, 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 no. This guy is special, and we're going to see exactly how special he is when he finally finally, for the first time in his career, gets to play on a good football team. It's been 12 years in Detroit, four winning seasons. He's done incredible stuff over the years, stuff that if he did in any other franchise or any other city, people would go, oh, this this Matthew Stafford guy is really special, but he's been buried and hidden in Detroit. So because of the terrible organization, he hasn't gotten the recognition and the respect he deserves. I'm so excited for Matthew Stafford to claim 
uh, what's rightly his, in my opinion. Now, I love this move for the Rams. In 2018, the Rams got to the Super Bowl. Uh, but their quarterback, Jared Goff, was kind of the weakness of their football team. They lost to New England. Well, the Rams made a statement saying, hey, we want to go back, and this time we want to win that Super Bowl. And that's what they're saying. It's what I'm excited to watch. The Rams are going for it. I support it. It's a great move. Uh, the Rams gave up two first-round picks. I saw some concern about that. I think people don't realize the Rams haven't had a first-round pick in the NFL draft since 2016 when they drafted Jared Goff. 2017, 2018, 2019, 2020, now 21, <laughs> 22, 23. No first-round pick. Seven years in a row it will be when this is all said and done. Uh, that's wild. 2017 to 2023 of not having a first-round pick. So far, the Rams are fine. They haven't had a first-round pick the entire Sean McVay era in L.A. They're doing great. They don't seem to need first-round picks. It's fine. Uh, they're finding other ways to get stars, and it, it works for them. Now, Jared Goff, um, what a lifestyle change. The poor guy uh, from the hills of L.A. living with a golf course in your backyard to Detroit. Now, I've heard Detroit is, like, downtown Detroit, I've heard is kind of nice. It's, I don't want to dramatize it too much, but, man, and I don't know. I would never want to live in L.A., so I don't think either city really appeals to me. But I know that I would rather live in L.A. than Detroit. Um, it's a brutal move, man. His team dumped him, and... Uh, first of all, I believe Jared Goff's career is screwed. It's over. Um, not only is Detroit a black hole of suck. I mean, nobody does well in Detroit. But also, he's losing the coach, Sean McVay, who elevated him. And he's losing that great roster around him with the Rams. Now, he's losing maybe the best defense in all of football. Great for Matthew Stafford. Matthew Stafford has the best defense he's ever had in his entire career. Uh, Jared Goff is going from a great situation and a great organization and a a really good team around him to awful. Now, I will say I like the coaches that the Detroit Lions have hired. Uh, Anthony Lynn, their, head, their offensive coordinator, excuse me. Uh, Deuce Staley, their running backs coach. Mark Brunell, their quarterback coach. Like, they got some good coaches on offense, especially in Detroit. But, I mean, I we'll see. I, I, I just... It's it's not a good look, and it's not a good early warning sign. Now, there was an interesting moment in the playoffs where, very quietly, the Rams benched Jared Goff. He hurt his thumb, and uh, the Rams used that as an excuse to start their backup quarterback, uh, Jordan Wolford. Wolford got hurt in the playoff game, and so they had to put Jared Goff back in. Jared Goff played basically three entire quarters most of the game. And when we watched Jared Goff play, we saw, oh, huh, Jared Goff is healthy. He's healthy enough to play. He looks fine. So if he's good enough to play, he's dressed down. He's the backup quarterback for the game. Oh, the Rams benched Jared Goff in the playoffs. They thought their backup quarterback gave them a better opportunity to win than Jared Goff. That's a big deal. If your, if your starting quarterback is healthy enough to play in the playoffs, you play him. So again, the Rams benched Jared Goff, and Jared Goff gave some quote where he's like, I'm happy to be with a team that actually wants me and appreciates me. We'll see. I don't know. Um, I, I've been harping on Jared Goff for a while. It feels like his career totally plateaued, where he just stopped getting better. He stopped improving week to week and year to year. And it made me wonder, like, is this guy hungry? Like, why did Jared Goff plateau? Why did he stop getting better and stop improving? That My belief is that Jared Goff thought he was safe. He was comfortable. Rich in L.A., hot girlfriend, life's good. 
And what he, I think, failed to understand is that you're never safe in the NFL. You're really never safe in life, but especially not in the NFL. Tom Brady's not safe. Aaron Rodgers not safe. If they're not safe, Jared Goff most definitely isn't safe. And Jared Goff played too bad for too long, and they got rid of him. They, they traded him away. said, hey, we're done. We're, we're not putting up with this anymore. And again, I, I do not believe Jared Goff is going to do well in Detroit. Uh, even if the Lions, they have a good coaching staff. Maybe the Lions, and I don't know about Dan Campbell, but the people he's hired, really good coaches in Detroit. Even if the coaching staff in Detroit does well, Jared Goff might fail. Jared Goff had Sean McVay, an amazing coach, and he wasn't playing great. So his career is over. He's Joe Flacco. It didn't work. Uh, I encourage you, go look up videos of Jared Goff talking. Does anybody ever listen to Jared Goff talk? Uh, Go listen to him talk and then try to tell me that that is the guy who's going to be the leader to completely turn around the Detroit Lions from awful for years to now. Now this guy is going to win. If Matthew Stafford couldn't do it, Jared Goff most definitely is not going to do it. So I I have no confidence and no faith in Jared Goff in Detroit. I hope I'm wrong, though. I, I would love for I have friends who are Lions fans. I feel horrible for them. They're from Detroit or they live in Detroit. And um, I, I, if Jared Goff is great and he's got a chance, he's got a good coaching staff, I, I would be so happy to see that go well. I don't think it will. It's more about Jared Goff than it is about the team even. I don't believe in Jared Goff. I also have a hard time believing in the Detroit Lions. It's not going to work. Uh, and so uh, Jared Goff, his career is going to die in Detroit. Now, one interesting bit of conversation is the thought that did the Rams coach Sean McVay fail? Remember, Jared Goff had a bad rookie year, and then they hired this offensive-minded coach, Sean McVay, who was brought in to fix Jared Goff. Or was he? Was that the reason why Sean McVay was hired? Was he hired to fix Jared Goff, or was he hired to win games? Is your goal to fix your quarterback, or is your goal to win games? It's a really interesting question because they're, they're two things that take a very different approach and two different goals and two different things. Uh, a similar comparison, in my opinion, is Matt Nagy and Mitchell Trubisky or even Ron Rivera in Washington. You can have a good coach whose quarterback is performing badly. Not everything a quarterback does is a representation of that coach. We saw Carson Wentz made a lot of mistakes in Philadelphia that I don't think really properly represents Doug Peterson. Carson Wentz is the one who's making horrible decisions and throwing the ball into traffic or who is holding on to the ball for way too long and t- fumbling. Or if Matt Nagy makes a great play call and then Mitchell Trubisky just doesn't execute the play, whose fault is that? If it's the right play, it's dialed up and he's staring at the wide open receiver and he doesn't pull the trigger vertically, then you go, that's not really on the coach. That's on the quarterback. Again, Ron Rivera was trying to win play, win games. He made the playoffs. He benched his starting quarterback, Dwayne Haskins, in favor of another guy, and they made the playoffs. They had a winning season. I guess technically they had a losing season, but they made the playoffs. My point is that fixing a quarterback and winning games are, are two different goals that also do not coincide. You can, If you worry about the quarterback, you're not necessarily going to win games, and if you're worried about winning games, you're not necessarily going to be focusing on the quarterback. So my point is that Sean McVay did the very best he could with Jared Goff. And Sean McVay is a coach I very, very much respect. And in the end, Jared Goff still wasn't good enough, even with great coaching. That makes me feel even stronger that Matt Nagy should stay in Chicago. The problem is Mitchell Trubisky, not necessarily the coach. They need a new quarterback and not a new coach. 
And of course, Sean McVay didn't fail. Sean McVay went to a Super Bowl. In four years, he went 11-5, and 13-3, and 9-7, and seven, and 10-6. and six. He's 43-21 and 21 as an NFL head coach. I, I, that's pretty good to me. So the Rams just upgraded at quarterback. Arguably, they have the best defense in the NFL. They've got a ridiculously good quarterback, a great coach. The Rams made themselves a threat to win the Super Bowl next year and for years to come. Detroit got a quarterback, Jared Goff, who was doing poorly, even with a great coach. As I list other quarterbacks who did bad, did bad with good coaches, the, the guy I think of, again, is Mitchell Trubisky. Jared Goff throws the ball better than Mitchell Trubisky, but how different really are they? I mean, very mediocre, inconsistent play and a plateau where they're just not getting better anymore. Jared Goff might be Mitchell Trubisky, and I don't know how many people are going to really want to have Mitchell Trubisky as their starting quarterback this year. I don't know that Jared Goff is going to last more than one year in Detroit, at least not as a starting quarterback. Okay, um, I've seen this going around. People keep saying that, first of all, Matthew Stafford was traded for two first-round picks, and as a result, people are saying, ooh, maybe this is going to impact a Deshaun Watson trade, you know, Matthew Stafford is worth two first-round picks, then how much could Deshaun Watson be worth? Oh, does this mean Deshaun Watson is worth three, four, five picks? It's got to be double what Deshaun, but what Matthew Stafford cost, right? Okay. First of all, I don't think those guys understand where value comes from. And then plus, you got to remember with Houston, there's this giant wild card. So first of all, value is based on how much people are willing to spend for something. If I have a car sitting in front of my house and I'm like, it's it's $1,000 and no one wants to buy it, its value isn't $1,000. Its value is whatever someone's willing to pay for that car. So the price for Matthew Stafford has no relevance on the price it's going to cost for a team to get Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson is worth whatever somebody's willing to pay. Matthew Stafford was two first-round picks. Uh, but again, Deshaun Watson does not necessarily correlate, his price does not necessarily correlate with the price that it cost to acquire Matthew Stafford. Then you have the wild card. Houston has Jack Easterby uh, running things in their front office. He doesn't know what he's doing. Uh, he also heavily values religion. I guess apparently he considers religion a big part of how he makes decisions in the football world. Uh, I don't know another person in the football world who does that. I mean, yeah, there are people that pray for sure, but I, I, I think you have to have some football knowledge to run a football team. Um, and that's another wild card. So a trade with Houston is not a normal trade between two football people. If you're trading with Houston, you're trading with a team who, I pro- my guess is Houston doesn't understand the value of Deshaun Watson. So I, I have a car sitting in front of my house right now. It's a red Corolla. Uh, it's a 1995 Corolla. It doesn't get in a fifth gear. It's got all these problems, but it's got a lot, of, a lot of sentimental value to me because it was my brother's car. My brother died uh, five years ago now. And I want to sell that car for 25 grand because it's deeply meaningful to me. The problem is nobody's going to buy that piece of crap car for 25 grand, let alone $500. It's not worth that. It's worth whatever someone's willing to pay. So, Houston might think, we have this guy, Deshaun Watson. He's incredibly valuable. He's our, he's our franchise. He's everything to us. If you're going to get Deshaun Watson, you got to pay a boatload of money. But they, they might not understand reality. Also, imagine buying, uh, if you're trying to buy a car from someone who doesn't know what they're doing, it makes it really hard. If they don't know the value of a car, 
It's complicated. Jack Easterby's never done this before. I know he's got Nick Casario, but I, well, how much is who doing what? I don't know. Again, it's like trying to buy some a car from someone who's never sold a car before and doesn't know the value of a car. Plus, they also have a weird criteria. The values of Jack Easterby have to play a factor in all this. I, I, I'm saying this to tell you, do not undervalue the incompetence of Houston. It might be week one next year before we see a trade for Deshaun Watson. Maybe never. Because this is a team that doesn't know what they're doing. They've got weird values that don't... I, I've never seen a football team that operates the way that Jack Easterby and the Houston Texans do. And so trading for Deshaun Watson is going to be a nightmare. They're going to say, maybe they say, oh, th- we felt in our guts this was the right trade. We prayed about it a lot. And so we're, we're sending him to New York for a fifth round pick. It might be crazy. like, a, Or it's going to be, well, we, we can't... Like, it just we don't know what to expect from Houston because they're incompetent. They got a weird value system, weird meaning rare for a football team, and we don't know what to expect from them. They're incompetent. They've never done this before. They've got a criteria that I don't really understand. And so I expect a lot of curveballs in this Deshaun Watson trade coming up. I'm not trying to, to be clear, I'm not disparaging religion. I'm just saying that the way that Jack Easterby operates, the manipulative manner, the they're calling the mom of people. He literally called someone's mom and said, hey, I, we're concerned about your son. It's because the son doesn't want to play for them anymore. It, it, it's weird. It's like, I don't, that doesn't sound right to me. And there's a lot of stuff going on that I think we can't quantify the level of incompetence going on in Houston. And so you might think, oh, Deshaun Watson has, first of all, has no correlation with Matthew Stafford. And then also understand that we're going to see a lot of curveballs and a lot of stuff come out of left field with Houston because of the way they're run. And there's a lot of dysfunction there. I, I am telling you, expect a lot of unexpected things in the saga up ahead for Deshaun Watson and another team trying to trade for him. I feel bad for any team trying to work with Houston to make that trade happen. This is a not a typical trade. It's with one side is a football team. The other side is a group of people that appear to not know what they're doing. Um, okay, I, I want to talk about this. Oh, my gosh, it makes me so upset. Uh, I feel I feel just bad. I feel horrible. I I I feel like I have to talk about it. Um, and then of course we'll come back to their quarterback too. I watched the Eagles' new coach Nick Sirianni give his first ever press conference as a head coach, and uh, oh boy, it was a nightmare. It was awful. Uh, he talks for thirty eight minutes. I got to know Nick Sirianni pretty well in thirty eight minutes. I watched it all. I'm gonna play a clip from this press conference in a moment. Uh, it's for sure the lowest point. It's like the lowest of lows. It's the the low light of this press conference. Uh, and you feel free to criticize me for, you know, cherry picking the worst moment. Yes, that's what I did. I, I am I am gonna play the very worst moment from this press conference. Uh, but I encourage you go watch all 38 minutes. It's awful. Every there, there's not a moment from Nick Sirianni that's not a little bit cringe and weird and confusing and. I, I, I think he's got a good heart. I think he's trying to say good stuff. Uh, so here's a clip of the New Eagles coach, Nick Sirianni. Play the clip. Next thing that's very important to me is that we build a smart football team, that we have a smart football team here. And I know we have the, the people in place to do that. The first part of that, the first part of being smart is knowing what to do. We're going we're gonna to know, we're going to have systems in place that are easier to learn. All right, complicated to the defense or offense that they're going against or the special teams group they're going against, but easy for us to learn. 
Because when we can put that, because we, when we can learn our system and we can get good at our system, then our talent can take over. Less thinking equals talent take over, but we need to have systems in place, and we will have systems in place to do so. Oh, boy. Oh, it's a mess. It's a nightmare. Uh, look, he's clearly not a good public speaker. Uh, and I will say, I think the content, he's got a lot of, I think, values that are good. I, I don't think he's an idiot. I think he, he means well. I think he's got a good heart. He's saying some stuff. He's trying to say we're going to simplify stuff to make it easier to learn. But, man, that's not how I would have said that. Uh, and I really just feel terrible for Nick Sirianni. I think he's a guy who's in way over his head who, I, when you hear Nick Sirianni talk about being a head coach, he's like, a, he's excited to be there. I was like, yeah, oh, and he's not excited. He's, there's no poise. It's like a kid given a, a brand new sports car who's like, I can't, my first car? Oh my God, I can't believe my first car is a brand new Ferrari. And you're like, you can barely drive. <laughs> like, let's slow down, right? It, it's it, it's kind of like a kid in a candy store is like, He's just happy to be there. He's like, I can't believe I became a head coach. He had no idea. Um, he's never been a head coach before. Nick Sirianni's never done the job before. And I was nervous about that going into things for this press conference. I watched the press conference. Now I'm terrified. And I did more research and I looked around. And you got to understand, communicating is a massive part of your job as a head coach. But he also just sounds incompetent. It's not, it's not going good. It's not going well. Now, one press conference going poorly does not completely doom him. I want to say that. It's important to say that. Uh, it's not hopeless, but it already does feel like he's 0-1. Like, he, he already has taken his first loss as the head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles. And many, many of the Eagles fans already hate him. Uh, now, go to the Eagles YouTube channel. I encourage you to watch this video. Uh, it's called Get to Know New Head Coach Nick Sirianni. And it's very well edited. I've been a video editor for six years. Um, I, I, man, there's a lot of cuts in that video. There's a lot of moments where they're hiding audio and cutting out audio and taking it out. Uh, he's a very nervous talker. He does not present well. And I, I don't feel good about Nick Sirianni. The guy cannot string together a sentence that makes sense at all. Uh, now, I, it's it feels kind of wrong for me to criticize another person for talking. That's my job. It's... I, I don't know. It's, it's a gray area there, but I, Nick Sirianni does not present well at all in a press conference, and uh, I, I, it's a nightmare. It feels terrible, and I, the more I listen to the way he says stuff and what he's saying, he sounds like a kid who's excited who got his first job and can't believe he got it, who's just happy to be there rather than someone who's poised with a plan ready to go. Uh, now, it's also worth noting. Uh, Carson Wentz still wants out of Philadelphia. Kind of crazy. I know. Philadelphia fired Doug Peters and that got rid of their coach to make their quarterback happy. And he's still not happy. I, I think what Carson Wentz wants is commitment. And Nick Sirianni was very honest. The one thing I liked about him, he said this. Uh, he said, uh, well, I, 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 he's not terrible. He's like, again, he seems like a good guy. But Nick Sirianni said that he's not ready to commit to Carson Wentz. He wants to watch tape, which I... That's the right thing to say. You have you can't commit to a guy before you decide who is better and yada yada and what you're going to do. But Carson Wentz wants commitment. He wants a team that's blindly committed him. You're our starting quarterback. And what I hear is that it sounds like Carson Wentz doesn't want to earn his spot. He wants to be handed his spot. Oh, he doesn't want to compete. And I kind of understand he's being paid a lot of money, but his play doesn't really like. Tom Brady's playing great football. So if Tom Brady's like, I'm mad you don't want to be my, you don't want me to be your starting quarterback, I'd go, that makes sense to me. You earned the right to be there. 
Carson Wentz has not earned the right to have a team blindly commit to him. And so, and now maybe why Carson Wentz wants out is because he thinks the new guy's an idiot. That's possible. Um, but it feels like Carson Wentz is still kind of whining and complaining and he wants to be a starting quarterback and he wants to have full commitment and he doesn't like the fact that he's going to have to compete with Jalen Hurts. I think Jared Goff's head is a giant mess. He doesn't trust anybody. He doesn't trust himself. He doesn't want to compete. Carson Wentz is a giant mess. And the Nick Foles thing, putting up a tr- uh, they literally put up a statue of Nick Foles while Carson Wentz was still their starting quarterback. That's weird. That's got to mess with you. Another, It's like another team. Another. Imagine another guy takes your wife and has a baby with her, and you got to marry your wife still and be with her. That's how it would probably feel with Nick Foles winning a Super Bowl with Carson Wentz's team. And then you had this year with Jalen Hurts doing well and, and Carson Wentz getting benched. Carson Wentz's head is a giant mess right now. Um, and I think, honestly, like, my prediction is if, if they keep Carson Wentz on the roster, by the time they're well, maybe week seven rolls around, they're three and three, they're going to bench Carson Wentz. And Jalen Hurts is going to come in and do very well. Part of it is if Nick Sirianni is not a good head coach, then whatever quarterback is better outside of structure, like if, if bad plays are being called and bad play design, which I don't think, I think Nick Sirianni for any criticism you have, I think he's at least probably a smart offensive coach working under Frank Wright, doing good stuff in Indianapolis. But let's imagine if the coaching is bad in Philadelphia, then the edge goes to Jalen Hurts, who's better outside of structure. He's better at running around, better at extending plays, better at keeping plays alive. He can do more when the play breaks down or fixing a bad play call than Carson Wentz can. So my prediction is if they keep Carson Wentz, at some point Carson Wentz is going to play badly. They're going to bench him. Jalen Hurts is going to come in and do very well. And then Carson's in a really bad place, really confused, and even more frustrated and more angry. And Philadelphia is paying their backup quarterback a ton of money. So uh, I, I see nothing but bad up ahead for Philadelphia. I told you when they fired Doug Peterson, I said... Let's see. We'll see who wins this trade. We'll see who wins this move. Uh, it wasn't a trade again. They, they released him. But I said, we'll see three years from now who's better off, Doug Peterson or Philadelphia. And I don't know that the Philadelphia Eagles are going to win this move. I think that they might be worse off three years from now than Doug Peterson is. Keep track of that. It'll be fun to follow. Uh, I do not feel good about Nick Sirianni. I don't feel good about Carson Wentz. I love Jalen Hurts. Uh, and Philadelphia is a... A mess right now. But hey, they got a Super Bowl. I mean, Philadelphia went all in on a Super Bowl. They're paying the price for it now. Complain all you want. Be glad you won a Super Bowl. Cleveland would happily trade places with you in a heartbeat to have a Super Bowl trophy. So uh, you can complain to Philadelphia, but you won a couple years ago. You're paying the price now. And uh, we'll see what happens moving forward for Philadelphia. Guys, my name is Zach Schaumler. I'm going to take a short break. When I return, we're going to do Ask Zach. Uh, I got to say, before we go to break, I, there's so many cuts in this episode. I feel terrible. I, us, I usually do. I've done episodes where it's like literally one full continuous take for 45 minutes. Not today. Uh, oh, my. The thing with the cats threw me off a lot. Uh, it just was weird and unsettling and wrong. So uh, I love you. I appreciate you. I'll be, a, be right back. Uh, we'll do Ask Zach. My name is Zach Schaumler. Taking a short break. I will be right back. All right, we are back. Hope we're doing very, very well. It's time for Ask Zach, my favorite part of the show. It's where I read questions from the audience. In case you don't know how it works, go to patreon.com forward slash Zach Schaumler. You give a dollar a month. You can give more if you want to. Please do. It literally helps pay my rent. 
Um, but a dollar a month gives you access to submit questions on Patreon. Now, if you submit a question on Patreon, I do not guarantee to read your question on the show. My only guarantee is I look at each question with my eyeballs and I pick the top couple to read on the show. Let me put some lip balm on. It helps. makes it easier to talk for long, extended periods of time. I, I, one time I was recording, I couldn't remember the name of it. It's lip balm. It's great. Um, the first question is from Landon. Landon writes and says, Zach, I am extremely excited for your movie channel. My question to you is, have you gotten any inspiration or watched any other movie reviewing channels like Chris Stuckman? So, Landon, let me be very, very clear. Uh, my it's a it's a movie podcast. It's not it's audio only. It's not a YouTube channel. Uh, maybe someday in like five years, I'll add some video footage to what I'm talking about. But for now, uh, it, maybe I'll even put it on YouTube from day one. I'll put it on my personal YouTube channel. But this is an audio-only experience. It's for listening. It's going to be like two hours about movies. And I'm, I'm, it's fun. I'm excited for it. I will say, you, you refer to Chris Stuckman. I watched a video Chris Stuckman recently did about uh, Jehovah's Witnesses. Very compelling. Uh, I, I really like Jeremy Johns. I'm probably more Jeremy Johns than Chris Stuckman. Either one, either way, I, I want to go way more in-depth than spoil. I'm not reviewing movies. I'm spoiling them and talking about them, diving in and breaking them down and analyzing the story and the characters and the writing and the actors and the acting and the directing and how the movie was made and um, nerding out on the movies I love. So it's a movie podcast. It is not a it's not a movie channel. It's not. It's not quick hits. It's a. It's a show about movies. It's like two hours long. So if you like that, uh, if you like my style of podcasting, that's for you. But uh, I want to be clear. I'm not making a movie channel. I'm not trying to copy Jeremy Johns. I'm not trying to be Jeremy Johns. I'm not trying to be Chris Stuckman. I got my own unique idea, and I'm very very excited for it. Uh, Caleb writes in, says, "What college quarterbacks are you excited to watch next season?" So I got a list here. I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine quarterbacks, and then two teams whose quarterbacks are unknown but will be fun. Let's start with that. I'm excited to see who Alabama's quarterback is. Uh, probably Bryce Young. I'm excited to see who Ohio State's quarterback is. Probably C.J. Stroud. Uh, now, the quarterbacks that we know for sure that I'm excited to watch that are starting next year, uh, D.J. Uyunglele, uh from Clemson. He's that guy who played against Notre Dame. Uh, he's got a lot of talent. He's really good. I can't wait to watch him at Clemson next year. Uh, Keaton Slovis at USC, going to be awesome. I, I, Keaton is my, uh, I'm not ashamed to say it, my favorite quarterback in all of college football. I love the person. I love how he carries himself. I love his decision-making. Uh, Keaton Slovis is my favorite quarterback in college. Can't wait to watch him. Sam Howell at North Carolina, a guy who, he, he went to the same school as Mitchell Trubisky, do not compare him to Mitchell Trubisky. He's a different prospect who played for a different coaching staff. And the only similarity is they both played for the Tar Heels. Sam Howell is awesome, man. He's a baller. He's got a huge arm. Reminds you a lot of actually Baker Mayfield in play style. Uh, he's, he's a shorter guy who's got a huge rocket arm. He's very efficient, makes good decisions. Uh, Jaden Daniels at Arizona State reminds me a little bit of Marcus Mariota. It's, a, it's not a nice comparison because Mariota didn't play great in the NFL. But what I mean is he's a long, tall Great athlete who can run, who can make great decisions and play quarterback and throw the ball very well. Of course, he's quarterback. But I, Jaden Daniels at Arizona State's really good, and I think he's going to have a breakout year next year. Uh, I mean, he's already had breakout years, but again, I have a great, amazing like, kind of um, 
exponentially better year next year at Arizona State with a hopefully a full schedule in the Pac-12. Uh, Dorian Thompson Robinson is a name to keep your eye on. He's uh, going to be senior at UCLA. He's a guy who's got – he might be one of the most talented quarterbacks in all of college football physically. And I've been waiting and waiting and waiting for DTR to pop. And it's not happened, and I, I hope it will this year. I'm, I'm keeping my eyes peeled. I don't know what's going on. Uh, I don't know if it's Chip Kelly or if it's him or he just doesn't love football. I, I know what's going on there, but I, I want to see DTR play. I hope he does great. Uh, Spencer Rattler at Oklahoma. This guy's probably going to win the Heisman Trophy. Spencer Rattler is unbelievable. He's going to be a soft, uh, I guess, a, a junior because he played. Yeah, he'll be a either a sophomore or either a redshirt sophomore or a true junior. Either way, keep your eye on Spencer Rattler. He's literally maybe the most talented quarterback in all college football. Cannon for an arm, can run around. He's learning how to make better decisions. We saw him really grow and evolve as the season went on where he stopped forcing throws into coverage. He started becoming more disciplined. Keep your eye on Spencer Rattler. Malik Cunningham at Louisville can throw the ball well, but I really I love watching Malik Cunningham run around. Uh, JT Daniels at Georgia. If JT Daniels is their starting quarterback all year, Georgia could win a national championship. He's the guy who... I think for years we've been waiting for Georgia with Kirby Smart to get a really good coach. They've had a great football team, great recruits, but their quarterback has always been lacking. Bam. JT Daniels is the quarterback they've been waiting for. Uh, He's an NFL-level quarterback at Georgia. Graham Mertz at Wisconsin, very similar story. Wisconsin, we've been waiting and waiting and waiting. haven't had a great quarterback since Russell Wilson. This might be the guy who can take Wisconsin to the next level. I'm excited to watch him. And then I'm also curious who's going to surprise us. There's going to be some guys who I didn't list or not are not in anybody's radar who, I mean, the same way Johnny Manziel broke out and we went, oh my gosh, look at that guy. Like, I, who is going to be that kind of surprise star next year in college football? I don't know, uh, obviously, but I'm excited to see who emerges to be that person that is unexpected and yet plays very, very well uh, as a young up-and-coming quarterback in college football. Uh, Austin writes in, he says, if you could interview one former player from the NFL, who would it be? Would it be someone uh, the likes of Joe Montana or Dan Marino to listen to their stories of success or someone like Ryan Leaf to hear him talk about what happened to his career to make him fail? Thanks so much for looking at this with your eyeballs. Uh, Well, I'm going to do a contemporary and then two older players. Uh, My two older players, I love to talk to Warren Moon. Warren Moon, former quarterback in Seattle, played in the CFL. Uh, African-American quarterback, I thought was really kind of um, him or Doug Williams really changed like, oh, the, you know, you can be a great quarterback no matter what your skin color is. I thought they really changed the game. And Warren Moon, man, is such a wise, like uncle, grandfather type figure. I, I would love, I would kill to have a conversation with Warren Moon. Uh, Ryan Lee would be interesting. I think more sad. He's still going through recovery. And I, I, I love Ryan Leaf. I went to his alma mater. Uh, Washington State. Um, I'd love to meet him. Uh, he's always welcome on the show. Uh, it, I, it'd be cool to tell a story. I like Ryan Leaf a lot. I, I will say, though, if I could talk to one person, if I could pick one former quarterback to talk to and uh, have on my show and have a conversation with, it'd actually be Blake Bortles. I, I would kill to talk to Blake Bortles. I, first of all, I think Blake Bortles is a great dude. Like He comes across like a really f- cool guy that's interesting and fun to talk to um and i really want to hear the blake bortles i want to hear his perspective on his own career um failure to me is very interesting and i I want to know like what would he do differently 
Um, why why do you think his career went the way it did? What did he struggle with? What does he regret? What is he what is he proud of? Like I I would kill to have a conversation with Blake Portals, somewhat of a failed quarterback in the NFL, who I I think didn't quite live up to what everyone wanted him to be, and I thought he was drafted really high and. He got to an AFC championship, but he, at some point it didn't work for Blake Bortles. I had to replace him in Jacksonville. And I, I would love to have that conversation, man. Like, what happened? Let's tell that story and uh, ask real authentic questions and have a good time. And uh, I think it'd be very—that's uh, my dream interview is Blake Bortles to really talk about, hey, what happened, man? Um, I just have a deep fascination with guys who—failure is way more interesting than success, in my opinion. Like— I could talk to Peyton Manning, sure, but everyone's told the Peyton Manning story. What about the Blake Bortles story? That's what fascinates me, and what lessons can we learn from Blake Bortles or um, Tim Tebow or Mark Sanchez? Like, that's the kind of story I want to tell about quarterbacks, and uh, I'd kill to have a guy like that on my show. Hunter writes in. Hunter says, first off, I just want to say I love your show and listen to it every day I drive to college. Thank you, Hunter. My question is, if Baker won a Super Bowl for the Cleveland Browns, who do you think is a bigger bigger Cleveland icon or hero, LeBron James or Baker Mayfield? So I, I don't know how Baker could ever top LeBron. I know you say Cleveland icon, but it's hard not to separate you know, LeBron James, the world superstar, uh, from you know who he is. I mean, I know he's like a Cleveland icon, and from a Cleveland perspective, they probably don't care what overseas countries think of LeBron James, but... People in China don't even think about Baker Mayfield. You know what I mean? Like the, LeBron James has a way bigger reach than, than Baker does. Um, I don't know that Baker can ever top that. Uh, and, and at some point, Baker, the same way LeBron left, Baker's going to leave, whether it's he retires and then goes to Houston or, or I guess, uh, sorry, Austin where he grew up or uh, he grew up in Austin, outside of you know, Austin, Texas. Um, I, I don't know, I guess, Lake Travis is where Baker's from. So, I don't know what Baker's going to do when he retires. I would imagine even before he retires, at some point we're going to see Baker play for another team other than Cleveland, uh, whether it's like he wants to play one more year. Like, would you ever think Tom Brady was going to leave New England? But he did. So uh, I I just think even if Baker won a Super Bowl, I don't, I don't know how you compare Baker to LeBron James. But I will say that does show the fact this is even a question really does show just how much Cleveland as a city loves football. That's very cool. I love Baker. He's already an icon in Cleveland. And if you want a Super Bowl, be a hero forever who'd never buy a drink ever again in that city. Let me drink some water real quick. I had a great question from Allie. This is a heavy one. Uh, Heavy warning up ahead. Allie says, hi, Zach. I hope you're doing well. This question is a little different from what I usually ask you. I have a podcast just like you. I cover sports and history. I won't give you the name of the podcast here because I feel like it wouldn't be fair to advertise my stuff on your show without permission. Anyways, I just published a documentary on the rise and fall of Nazi Germany, and I'm struggling with being a fan of sports while also knowing how barbaric the world can be. How can I justify watching the Super Bowl knowing what I know now about the suffering of people around the world? Is it possible to care about both? I thought you might give me some insight. Allie, that's a great question. It's hard to answer. So I first, I want to say, like, I, I, I'm going to do the best I can with that one. Uh, but I think it's an interesting conversation starter. I think you got to kind of get to know me for a second real quick first. I used to be an environmental science major. I wanted to save the environment. I wanted to be an environmental scientist. I was playing college football, studying environmental science. I knew at some point my college career would come to an end. 
And then I wanted to go save the world. That was literally my goal when I was a freshman in college. And then I realized as I was on that journey that the only way to really make a difference and change anything to do with the environment is you have to be a politician. And I realized, oh, environmental environmental scientists don't change the world. It's politicians that change the world. I went, oh, that sucks. I don't. I don't want to get. I, won't, I don't want to go to law school. I, I. I felt very discouraged. I'm like, oh man, like. Then I learned about the way the world works. I'm like, that. That sucks. And. The Earth is an incredibly dark place. Like, horrible, horrible, horrible things happen every day. They're happening right now as I talk. Somewhere in the world, awful stuff is happening. Uh, and I was once a part of a project. A project that lost funding partway through, but we were in the pre-production phases, and we're about to buy tickets to go to the Congo, the Democratic Republic of the Congo, uh, a, a really war-torn, destroyed part of Africa. And I, I was excited. Like, we're going to go tell the story of people in the Congo. We got permission from the government, and we had to, like, we were saying we were giving out Bibles, but we were really just taking videos, and it was a whole, it, it, it lost steam, and it was very dangerous what we were planning. But I was excited. I was like, man, I'm going to go, I'm going to go make a difference. And Ali, what you described in your question, how can I watch the Super Bowl knowing what's going on in the world? You described the guilt of living in a first world society, man. If you live in, you know, I I live in this great house and I've got a good job and I've got enough food. uh, And there are a ton of problems around the world I I don't know how to solve that I, 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 I don't even know where to begin. I mean, there's still slavery in the world. People don't realize like slavery is still a thing. Human trafficking, uh, very oppressive governments all over the world. And so I'm very lucky to be an American. I think America's got some big problems, but man, it's, I would way rather be in America than North Korea or the Congo. And I, it's not even, it's not even a conflict. It's not even a comparison. Like you can't even compare the two. I'm so glad I I just was born in America. I, I, luck of the draw, like I'm lucky to be here. And I think people often lose sight of that perspective. Uh, and compared to so many people around the planet, like if you live in America and you have running water and electricity and video games and movies and food and good school and you can drive and you can go state to state without having to hit checkpoints. I mean, people don't realize how much we have in America, even the people at the very bottom. And I, look, my family's been through a lot. My family, I was homeless at one point uh, as a kid. Uh, so I've, I've been through a lot, but I still, I still say like I... I got food, shelter. I got a good job. I, I am way more privileged than most people around the world. And so, yeah, sports are basically meaningless is my point, right? Like, does the Super Bowl matter in the scheme of things? Not really. Like, it's entertainment. It's the same. It matters as much as a really important movie or uh, a great song. Like, it's entertainment. It's It has value. I Clearly, it makes a lot of money. Um, I mean, look at how what I mean. The Super Bowl, football makes a lot of money, right? Um, and the reason why I love sports is because it's meaningless. That's why I cover sports. Uh, I don't want to be a political podcast host. That sounds terrible. I don't, I don't want to talk about real world issues that are life and death. Literally like people treat Cam Newton or, uh, Tom Brady or the Super Bowl or Aaron Rodgers. People act like that stuff is life or death and people get way more fired up for Aaron Rodgers than they do about slavery and civil war in the Congo. But I think part of that's because we don't know how to fix that. And it's really sad. You know, sports are an escape. Politics are incredibly depressing. The real world is awful. 
And sports give us a way to get away from that and not think about that. And again, I, I don't know how to help the Congo. I, I could maybe move there and then there'd be another mouth to feed and take care of. But maybe maybe my presence being there, if I don't get killed, could help somebody. I don't know. I, I, I don't know how I can solve that. There are all these problems everywhere. And it's it's kind of it'll give you crippling depression if you really think too hard about all the awful stuff you can't control in the world. Um, and I try not to dwell on things I can't change because, man, it's it's dark. I mean, my, my brother died five years ago, and I, I wonder if part of why he took his own life is because he, he was a philosopher. He loved to write about stuff. He has a very compassionate heart. I wonder if he just was like, man, I can't. I have all these dreams and goals. We used to talk about it. He's like, I want to do this and that, and I wonder if he just got discouraged and felt like he couldn't, couldn't do it. Um, and so my point is sports give me an escape. Movies, video games, sports um, – I think it's okay to have entertainment. It's okay to have distractions that make you feel good about stuff for a little bit. And and maybe that's the way I help the world, actually, is by entertaining people. I I certainly – I love Christopher Nolan. I, I watched uh, – on Sunday, I watched um, The Hunt for Red October with Sean Connery and Alec Baldwin. It's Jack Ryan movie with by Tom Clancy. Like, ah, that's wonderful. That was two hours of my life that were well spent and – I didn't think about anything other than how great that movie was for two hours. Like, sweet relief. And so I, I know that I love John Bellion and, you know, a lot of filmmakers that give me relief and give me entertainment. And maybe that's what I do for the world. Um, and, and maybe if I committed my whole life to a cause, I could make some small difference. Like, I could have a political podcast. I could try to, you know, solve the problems I care about. But I don't want to do that. I, I don't I, – I'd rather enjoy my life. I, I don't, you know, I've got maybe 80 years on Earth, maybe 50, 60 left on planet Earth. Like, I I want to enjoy those those years, and I want to live where I want to live, and I want to have a good life, and I want to make money enough that I can actually have the things I want. And um, I, I don't, ever since I, I stopped being an environmental science major, I really haven't thought a lot about that kind of stuff. But I, meaning like I, about what could I do, but it's. It's daunting and it's sad, uh, and I, I guess like you can't you can't dwell too much on stuff you can't control. And if you think about all the problems in the world, you're never going to do anything because you'll just realize like I, it's terrible. We have too many people on planet Earth. We don't share resources very well. Uh, we dominate some societies, and the top is way better than the bottom. And it's just, it's it's really sad and tragic. But I, I don't know what I can do, um, and I. Uh, it's okay to have entertainment and sports and the Super Bowl is an escape from that. And I, I'm talking in circles now, but Allie, that's the best way I can answer your question. And I, I hope I did it in a way that's honorable and, and right. And um, yeah, I just, it's, it's a tough, tough question and a tough thought to think about. Will wrote in and said, if you were on an NFL team, which job or role would you want? Player, coordinator, head coach, general manager, head scout, owner, et cetera. Well, I think I'd want to work with quarterbacks. I'd want to be a quarterback coach or a quarterback analyst. Maybe the guy who, like, I, I what I want to do is talk to a quarterback in the draft room, like interview. Hey, do you? I want to ask a quarterback, do you love football and why? Why do you love football? If Mac Jones can tell me why he loves football with a compelling answer, I believe him, and I, I would love to work with him. And I, I. I want to hear why Justin Fields loves football. I want to hear why Trevor Lawrence loves football. I want to hear why 
I, I want to talk to quarterbacks and evaluate whether or not they're going to succeed. And the part of my style that's missing is I can't talk to them. And I, I've talked to some off the record, uh, and that's been very informative, and you probably hear it color the way I talk about them. Uh, but a lot of quarterbacks, I've never talked to Justin Fields. I don't think I think he literally knows I made a video one time saying he's got to get better, so I don't think he even wants to talk to me. Aaron Rodgers certainly doesn't want to talk to me, but I, I would kill to work with and talk to quarterbacks, and I, I love analyzing film, and I, I, I love the quarterback position, and I, I would, I'd love to work with uh, quarterbacks. Although I got to say, I think if I had to decide between being a YouTuber and a podcast host or working for an NFL team, I, I would rather be a YouTuber and a podcast host. I don't, I don't want to work for anybody again in my entire life. I want to work for myself from here on out. I'm happy working, being my own boss. I don't want to answer to anybody. Uh, I've got a good life and I'm, I'm very happy. So I, I don't see myself ever leaving this role unless I really needed the money. Like if my YouTube channel fell apart and the podcast suddenly stopped making money, I'd be like, okay, well now I got to find a new way to survive. But I mean, honestly, too, I, I probably will make content even if everything fell apart and I had to go work at my car wash job again or something, right? I'd still make content. I, it's what I it's what I love to do. It's my passion. So um, I love storytelling. I love making content, and I'll probably make content forever for the rest of my life and always. Peter writes in and says, Hi, Zach. I love your podcast and hope you're doing well. What are your thoughts on the Lions offseason so far? What do you think about bringing in guys like Anthony Lynn and Aaron Glenn as coordinators? Also, what do you think about their quarterback situation? I think the Lions would draft, should draft Micah Parsons or Devontae Smith at number seven and then try to groom somebody like Mac Jones under Jared Goff this year, then cut Goff next year. Uh, man, I encourage anybody to look at the Detroit Lions coaching staff. Their staff is legit. They have Anthony Lynn as their offensive coordinator. He's a former quarterback. Uh, sorry. Anthony Lynn is the offensive coordinator of Detroit. He's the former offensive coordinator for the L.A. Chargers. He's a great man. He's a great coordinator. He's a great leader. People love him. A Anthony Lynn is perfect as a coordinator. Uh, they got a running back coach, Deuce Staley, for the Lions, who uh, everybody loves him. People thought he might even be the Eagles head coach. He's very much beloved by other players in the NFL. Uh, their quarterback coach in Detroit is former NFL quarterback Mark Brunell played quarterback for the Jacksonville Jaguars for years. That's a huge get. Uh, they took Aaron Glenn from New Orleans, who is going to be their defensive coordinator. I I love Detroit's coaching staff. I don't know if Dan Campbell's going to work or not, but he's got passion. He cares, and he hired great people, and I don't know what else he can do. Like He did the very best he possibly could. That's huge, and I would love, love, love to see um, Detroit turned around. I want to see the Lions win games. It'd be very, very cool. What do you do at quarterback? I, I think you move up and get Zach Wilson. I would love to see Zach Wilson play in that building in the Ford Field Center, I guess, in, at Ford Field uh, with a dome. It'd be great there. It'd be huge for him. I would trade for, um, I'd trade up to get Zach Wilson if I was Detroit. Uh, they won't, though. What I think is going to happen is Detroit is going to commit to Jared Goff for at least one year, then try to replace him. But he's going to get a year for sure uh, in Detroit before they try to replace him. And that's sad to me because I think Jared Goff, uh, I've, I've already seen what he can do. He, he failed with, if you can't win and do well with Sean McVay as your coach, it's probably not going to work for you anywhere else either. So I'm not a believer in Jared Goff. I would replace Jared Goff in a heartbeat already. I wouldn't need to see him play for a year, but my belief is that we're going to see Jared Goff play for a year in Detroit. Maybe they draft like Jamie Newman or they draft somebody 
in the second round to be maybe a backup and see what happens. But um, it, it's very possible Detroit works because they got a great staff, but I don't know that they're going to work because of Jared Goff either. Let me drink some water. We got the final thing to say from the show. It might be just a comment. I can't remember if it's a question or not. The final question is from, yeah, it's from Braden. It's Braden says, hey, Zach, I don't have a question this week, so I just want to say thank you for doing what you do and doing so much for all of your viewers and listeners. Your podcasts and work made getting through 2020 much more bearable, and your content is not just insightful and interesting, but you always manage to make everything fun and entertaining. Thank you for all you do, and I can't wait to see where SOS and your other projects go in the future. Thank you, Braden. I love you. I appreciate you. That's a great way to end this episode. I will see you guys later this week. I got a fun film analysis I've been working on that is, uh, I think, going to come out of left field. It's going to be very exciting. People are going to go, huh, I didn't know I wanted that. And it'll be cool and fun. I, we'll talk about Hank Aaron next episode. We'll do predictions for the Super Bowl. I love you. I appreciate you. Ba-dum-bum. Bam. We are done.